The Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on the Progressive Radio Network. Not if we don't wake up and uh, smell the disaster upon us. Uh, some 2,000 miles of United States, uh, uh, some, let's see, 100 million Americans impacted by this storm that is bearing down on the Northeast now. It is just humongous. I don't know uh, what more we need in the way of Mother Nature trying to give us a big, loud message that uh, it's not business as usual here, that uh, we can uh, look at what's going on with um, our weather, with our climate. I uh, want to welcome Joe Rome to the uh, Green Front, my favorite guest, and wanted to talk to him last week about uh, the State of the Union address and uh, didn't get a chance to do that. We had Elizabeth Colbert on from the New Yorker last week, but Joe is with us today to talk about what was said and what President Obama neglected to say in that. Uh, but first, we've got to talk about the weather. Thanks for joining me on the Green Front, Joe, and how is it back there? Actually, it's a very warm day in Washington D.C. It, it, uh, we missed the this big storm, and we're actually uh, in the 50s here. So, uh, <laughs> another sign that uh, mother, we fueled with Mother Nature just a little bit too much, I guess. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, the weather. Uh, climate scientists said uh, that if you keep pouring heat trapping gases into the planet, you're gonna. Uh, you know, just wreck havoc with with uh, with the weather systems around the planet, and that's what we have been doing. Well, and it is gorgeous here. I'm speaking to you from the shores of the San Francisco Bay. The sailboats are out, going to be up in the 70s today. That's not too unusual. We occasionally get um, sort of early spring, um, unseasonably warm weather here in the Bay Area, Northern California, but we hope to get some more rain. But, you know, that's not what we're talking about today. It's mostly what's going on around two-thirds of the country. Uh, I watched the Today Show. Just to give a a few facts here, I mentioned a few. First, about 100 million Americans are expected to feel the impact of the next uh, 48 hours of weather. Um, some two feet of snow, I guess, uh, coming down, expected in Boston. Wind chill factor down below 20 degrees. Winds as high um, as 70 miles an hour. Uh, air travel has been crippled. Some 600 flights were canceled yesterday, and of course that's going to have an impact, domino effect on travel, not only around this country, but uh, international travel as well. So more record breakers, they're saying, bearing down. Uh, the biggest geographic storm in this country's history is what could be unfolding. It's sort of like um, a, a bad dream where, uh, you know, things just kind of keep getting worse and worse, and is anybody listening? Are yeah, people paying and, attention? You know, the, thing, the thing is that... that we uh one of the most basic expectations uh from warming up the planet is that you're going to put more water vapor into the atmosphere and uh when it's cold enough it'll come down in snow uh when it's warm enough it'll come down in deluges because the other big weather event uh happening on the planet right now is in Australia which which an area the size of uh France and Germany has 
been inundated. Uh, They're calling that also, the Today Show mentioned that the largest storm ever ripping through Australia uh, with something like uh, 200 mile per hour winds expected. Is that even possible, a Category 5 storm? And that's after, of course, their long, long drought and their fires and then their deluge. Um, you know, if, um, if I was on Hannity's show now or you were and we mentioned something about epic or biblical, you know, proportion storms, they would uh, start laughing and say we're a bunch of religious zealots. But they're not calling. I think even they may be realizing, gee, something is going on here. And maybe this is what they would call global warming, even though it doesn't feel like it. Of course, yeah, because well, it's a more complicated you know, than that. It, yeah, it is. I mean, the, the weather system of the planet is, is quite uh complicated uh in particular the arctic um in parts of the arctic uh, what happens is you kind of open up the freezer door and the cold air rushes out but the arctic itself gets to be stunningly hot and uh, i actually did a post on climate progress uh about how unbelievably warm it has been over uh uh canada and greenland um, I mean, it has been for an entire month in in northern Canada, 38 degrees Fahrenheit above average. Um, I mean, the largest high pressure system uh, ever recorded on the planet occurred in mid December twice uh, over Greenland. So yeah, we are, you know, we are really dramatically changing uh, the weather system of the planet. That must be why uh, President Obama spent so much of the uh, State of the Union address talking about climate and greenhouse gases and carbon uh, threats and, and the urgency of our um, unstable, increasingly unstable climate. Huh? What happened yeah, there? Yeah, it certainly didn't go unnoticed that he didn't ever mention global warming uh, or, or climate change and or greenhouse gas emissions. And... Uh, pretty frustrating because his advisors, I mean, he has spoken about it in the past, and, and yes. uh, a few days later, his the science advisor, John Holdren, uh, went on a talk show and talked about it. But it means a lot when the President of the United States uh, either talks about an issue and elevates it uh, or doesn't talk about it. And, and I heard some people say, why do you environmentalists complain about that? He did talk about some energy uh, initiatives, some you know policy goals. I said, well, it was great that he talked about how many electric cars we hope to have on the road and investment in renewable energy, but no specifics again, and how are we going to get there? Although, you know, that was encouraging at the beginning of the speech, and then we were waiting for more, as we were last summer, so many of us, when he gave a talk from the Oval Office in the midst of the BP disaster, and he said, we have to make this, you know, wholesale transition to our clean energy future but did not give us a green print. He didn't say anything about how we're going to do that. So some people say, well, so what that he didn't mention climate or carbon? But, you know, those of us who follow this closely are looking for signs that after two years of taking up so much political bandwidth on health care reform that we're finally going to get to climate and energy issues and maybe have an energy policy for the first time in this country. So when it's not mentioned, it, it, it really almost feels like it was strategically omitted. And I think it was just the eve of the State of the Union that Carol Browner, his climate chief, stepped down. Do you think that's significant? Might that have had, you know, um, would, might that have been a result of the fact that climate was left out, or am I reading into it? Um, well, uh, I do think, uh, you know, people should understand that uh, a lot of people in the White House, uh, like a lot of thought opinion makers around the country, don't get global warming, and 
people like David Axelrod, who who you know recently left but was in charge of White House communications, is is someone who just didn't want the president to talk about climate change. He felt that it was a a divisive issue that 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 would not win political support, and uh, so Rahm Emanuel, you know, that, Rahm Emanuel as well. Yeah, I think I think Rahm Emanuel for him it was just not a big deal. I, I don't think you know he he knew a lot about the issue. Um, I think that obviously Carol Browner is, is someone who cares a great deal about the issue. I, I'm, I'm you know I I think that. Um, uh, you know, last year was a very hard year. The climate bill failed. The White House really didn't push on it hard enough. Uh, you had the BP spill. And uh, uh, so, you know, I think that uh, it's it's going to be frustrating for the few remaining people in the White House who, who care about this issue. Lots, lots to talk about. We're going to jump in. But before we get off the subject of Rahm Emanuel, he cannot claim ignorance because uh, they supposedly have big family gatherings. And his brother, Ari Emanuel, um, the big L.A. agent, started the Detroit Project along with um, Lawrence, um, uh, the uh, forgetting his last name, the producer, uh, Bender, and Lori David, of course. Uh, that was, you know, to try to get um, more fuel-efficient vehicles on the road. So assuming that they talk at uh, family dinners, he cannot claim ignorance. That's all. I didn't want to give Rahm Emanuel a pass on not getting it. He, he gets it, but that's that's a, a, a digression. Um, let's get back to the, um, the, the news at hand, which is uh, the weather's getting worse. Uh, the science is getting more compelling. I'm sure you saw in your inbox, as I did, and as you put out so fabulously on uh, climate progress, uh, the latest, you know, research is just uh, the word "scary" is being used. The MIT study, uh, there was, I think, something from NOAA, and and yet, um, without any mention in the um, address, without any, you know, legislation pending for the next two years. I mean, no one's even saying it's going to come up in the next two years in this Congress. Uh, it is, it's enough to drive a man and woman to drink. I mean, what are we supposed to do here, Joe? <laughs> Well, it is it is uh, it is frustrating. I think obviously the new the new Congress, uh, 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 a lot of you know people who don't who who are anti science and pro pollution got elected. Their their big effort oh, that's now true, yes. <laughs> is going to stop the Environmental Protection Agency from preserving clean air and clean water for your children. And you know the the. You know, I, so unfortunately, we're moving from a time when we were hopeful about passing strong legislation to uh, working real hard to preserve the clean air and clean water that we have. It's it's unfortunate, but you know that's where we are. So that's certainly a high priority for me. Is is you know the the Environmental Protection Agency is why you know we we have been able to reduce air pollution and and why we don't have arsenic in the water and why we don't have lead in the in the air and the water and you know the the uh big polluters who backed uh the the republicans and the conservatives i'm talking about the Koch brothers i'm talking about you know the chamber of commerce i'm talking about big oil uh, you know, very high on their agenda is rolling back uh, prote- environmental protections, and so that's going to be the big struggle As over say, the next the, um, year. Or two. Yeah, the coke industry is the 100 million ton carbon gorilla in your blog today. Uh, you think they're um, they're laughing and, and pleased with their progress? It seems they're at the moment 
their their millions are making a difference in terms of impacting uh, public opinion on the reality of climate change, the urgency of climate change. Why is it so difficult, given the facts are so compelling, so um, blatant, the statistics just growing uh, so rapidly that so many people can be you know swayed by um, PR or what money can buy? Uh, how long can this continue, Joe? Well, you know, uh, look, uh, uh, the tobacco industry was able, with its disinformation campaign, to stave off serious, uh, 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 you know, efforts to limit tobacco use for for many, many decades. Um, the, uh, you know, global warming polluters have adopted many of the same strategies. They've even used some of the same people, and they have a lot more money because obviously there is a lot more money in coal and oil than there ever was in tobacco. Um, and, you know, we're, we have this uh, media, which is, I think, fragmented and, and impotent, and it's fired the science and environmental reporters and just covers everything. It's on the political horse race, he said, she said. Uh, I was just, in fact, I was thinking of doing a blog. I was just reading the Washington Post over the weekend, um, you know, it has this line, although many Senate Democrats say that liberal priorities such as climate change legislation have fallen off Obama's agenda. Well, why is climate change legislation described by the Washington Post as, you know, a liberal agenda item? It is, well, it is an agenda item to preserve the health and well-being of all Americans and their children and grandchildren and, and future generations around the world. Precisely. That's how the Washington Post covers it. It's 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 a horse race, and of course, the the global warming side is is down. And and as you know, when the media decides that you know you kind of you're a loser, then they just start like, uh, uh, you know, ignoring you or not paying attention to you. And, yeah. and, and they're kicking and, you while you're down, and then walking away. Exactly. And as if, as if they're, go- and they're going to go, uh, I guess, um, play on another planet, right? Because um, they're not too concerned about what happens on this one in the future. And they must not have children and grandchildren. And um, and I've said this how many times, and you've said this how many times. Is anyone listening? I mean, what will it take to get a tipping point in, you know, among the American um, mainstream public to to get angry about this? Uh, it, yes, um, the number of people who understand what's going on is growing, but still seems to be too slowly. It still seems like we're living in this um, just a state of limbo. Uh, it's like Alice in Wonderland. It's just uh, surreal that, you know, those who are paying attention are laying awake at night. The news is getting worse. The science is getting scarier. And yet there's, you know, okay, this is my barometer, albeit, you know, it's through my green media lens. Still not one green talk show on America. Still not, you know, any place that's devoted, you know, unlike yeah. all the uh, reality, you know, housewives shows, nothing devoted to our climate, our oceans, our environmental future. That may be part of the problem. No, absolutely. I, I will say that I do, you know, I, I try to put some humor out there, and I, I, I the, the, the Onion, America's finest news service, did this <laughs> that. awesome post, Republicans vote to repeal Obama-backed <laughs> bill that would destroy asteroid headed for Earth. Uh, so yeah, it's it, you know it's like anything that incurs any possible uh, short-term cost uh, is is something that is 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 socialism and job killing, you know. And what's so strange is that you know 
conservatives, Republicans, I, I know, are as good parents as anyone else. And, and we would do anything for our kids. You know, you spend a lot of money. Uh, you borrow money to send your kid to college. You make investments, you you know, and and um, so the things and and we spend a lot of money to to protect the health and well-being of our children, you know, to keep toxics out of their environment, make sure that they see a doctor, uh, get the benefits of the latest science. But when it comes to the nation and protecting the children of the entire country and the entire world, suddenly. We don't care about science. We're not going to make investments. We're not going to listen to the people who have done the research and tell us what, what, what is needed to preserve their health and well-being. Sur- surreal is the word that just keeps coming up here. We've got to break through any day now. Maybe we do need a green tea party as a healthier alternative, as I say, for those who are steamed that climate change is still not being addressed. In uh, 2011, as the snow falls, as the storms swirl, as the glaciers melt, uh, we have to have a sense of humor, right? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but but very serious message, obviously. It's Groundhog Day, Joe. You think um, old Punxsutawney is uh, waking up to a planet that is just going to be getting warmer but feeling colder on some uh, particular parts of the coast uh, on some days. And, yes, that is part of climate chaos. Yeah, well, I, I, I did my post on Groundhog Decade. You know, every <laughs> decade, the 1980s were the hottest decade on record, and then the 1990s were the hottest decade record, and the, two, the last decade was, then became the hottest decade on record. And it's pretty clear that this decade will be the hottest decade on record, and that's just going to keep going until we act. And the scary thing is that, that what we're seeing now, you know, Pakistan, a fifth of Pakistan underwater, water, uh, a massive heat wave in Russia that stops them from, you know, they, they ban exports for a year and a half, what's happened in Australia and Brazil and in, and in this country with the devastation of Nashville. This is all from uh, warming of, let's say, a little more than a degree Fahrenheit. Um, this century, we are going to warm uh, five to ten times that. You know, so um, we ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, the, the, it, we're starting to see weather events uh, that are beyond that are record smashing, but they're just a little bit record smashing. You know, we're seeing these once in a thousand year superstorms, but every half the half the uh, years this decade are going to be hotter than last year. And almost all of the years in the next decade are. So we're just going to see, uh, you know, more and more extreme uh, weather events that start to, to I, I think, have, have a very large impact on the world. Um, and I, one of the biggest impacts, I talk about this on the blog, I, I'm sure you've interviewed Lester Brown. Um, oh, yes. You should Plan have B. him on for his Plan his, C. Plan D. <laughs> he's got a new book, World <laughs> on the Edge in which he goes through what I think is going to be the biggest near-term impact for many people around the world, which is agriculture, food prices. Because this extreme weather has uh, destroyed crops. I mean, as I say, Russia banned grain exports. It was a major grain export. Australia, its crop was devastated. Um, And so the net result has been record high food prices. And, uh, you know, so we're going to get this combination. High oil prices also contribute to record high food prices. And obviously we're in, in uh, oil prices are just going to keep going up over time. So we're going to have more people, uh, less arable land, less fresh water, 
and more extreme weather and higher energy prices. So you're going to see one of the biggest, you know, impacts of of all of our climate and energy policies is going to be high food prices. Uh, well, Americans is- are, are somewhat shielded from that because we're the world's biggest exporter and we subsidize our food. But ultimately, it's going to trickle down and hit everybody. Well, and that is what gets America's attention. Of course, uh, you know, hitting, being hit in the pocketbook, it was when we were seeing gas prices around here in the Bay Area, you know, upwards of $4 a gallon, that people started buying more fuel-efficient cars and complaining loudly about it, even though, of course, we've been subsidizing the, the true costs of uh, gasoline in this country, you know, forever. So that's is that what it's going to take, do you think, people feeling it in the pocketbook in terms of the food as well as fuel that will finally get more people to really make the connections and say we cannot afford if this is climate change, whoa, we can't afford this. What will it take? I mean, just in your um, sort of best-case scenario, and uh, it's hard to do this without tongue-in-cheek because you'd think that we would already have long, you know, passed that point where people get it. But um, one has to wonder if, in fact, this isn't just um, Mother Nature, you know, if there was some plot here to get us to finally, you know, wake up and smell the CO2 already. Uh, well, I think, you know, we're going to have to see more extreme events that act, that hit the United States broadly. I mean, Nashville got this once in a thousand year deluge. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things Lester Brown says, sooner or later, the, the massive heat wave that hit Moscow, uh, and Russia is going to hit the, you know, Chicago area, the, the Midwest grain belt. And if that were to happen, it would, it would, um, be staggering its impact on world grain markets and on the United States. So, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the U.S. is only about 2% of the world land mass, and, uh, and yet we drive so much of the policy. And um, so, you know, what happens here, uh, you know, has a disproportionate effect. So, unfortunately, I think, you know, we're not going to take action anytime soon, the, the, the conservative movement you know, we'll see to that. Uh, and that just means I think you're going to see the Arctic move towards ice-free conditions. E- many people think that it is, it is an ice-free Arctic during the summer and early fall that radically destabilizes the climate in the northern hemisphere because um, when the Arctic is covered with ice, it can be very cold above ice, like 40 below, but above water it can only be roughly, uh, you know, zero. So, uh, or you know, 32 uh, Fahrenheit. So um, you get a massive disruption in the jet stream as a result, and you can get these, these, these uh, uh, you know, bizarre weather patterns. Um, well, so, let's, speaking of bizarre weather patterns, I mean, the snow is piling up literally as we do this interview, Joe. Hopefully as they dig out and the snow melts, maybe there will be a little reflection on, gee, could this be the kind of climate you know, chaos that, you know, scientists have been predicting. Could this, next time, if I am asked to go on uh, Hannity again, and last time uh, they were talking about spacecraft because they didn't have anything uh, legitimate to talk about, uh, what I should have said was, well, when the aliens land, they'll be um, looking, if they're looking for signs of intelligent life, they won't find it here on Fox. I got pretty feisty, so they may not ask me back. But if I do, what I would like to say is, what if, you know, what if you're wrong, folks? You know, these uh, media prognosticators are not climate experts in any fashion, any sense of the word, what um, if they're wrong? You know, what will they tell their grandchildren? Because they're so arrogant in their, you know, consideration that, you know, we are nuts and um, it's the environmentalists and the climate, you know, um, 
alarmists that are really the problem and and they're they're sitting there you know smirking and laughing at this and how long can that continue in the face of record storms epic blizzards as they're calling it and and that's what they called it on the today show this morning this is not you know a tree hugger calling it blizzard this went out to you know uh, Americans across the country today the the TV networks are covering this as as epic storms so let's hope that this is a turning point yeah well i think um you know, I, 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 a lot of it has to do with the, uh, the, you know, the scientists have not been great communicators, and, and, and finally, you know, the good news is scientists are starting to speak out more. Um, In fact, I isn't think, there something on your blog today? Didn't they just a group of scientists send something to legislators? Yes, a group of scientists just did send a, a letter to legislators saying that that you know, <laughs> climate science is not you know a, a Republican or Democrat issue, and and. Carbon dioxide traps heat, uh, you know, no matter what your politics are. So, yeah, it's a nice letter. I mean, the point is that, you know, the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, which is kind of the Supreme Court of Science, it's kind of a very staid and conservative organization, you know, did a major review of the literature and, 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 uh, said last year that, you know, there's a, just an abundance of evidence that climate change is occurring and it's caused largely by humans it's having an impact now and and if we don't act it's the impacts are going to grow um i don't know how these people are going to live with themselves because most of the people you know are going to you know, are, are relatively youngish people people who will be around in 20 years and and will see you know just how 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 that the scientists were right, which, you know, is not a big surprise. I always ask them, these people, why do you go to doctors? You know, why do you get on an airplane? If you don't, if you don't believe science, you know, you, you should avoid things that scientists have, you know, endorsed or that the scientific method has delivered us, like, you know, uh, doctors who, who have done studies that tell you what medicine you should and shouldn't take. Yeah, I mean, uh, they say it is not our role as scientists to determine how to deal with problems like climate change. That is a policy matter and rightly must be left to our elected leaders in discussion with all Americans. But as scientists, we have an obligation to evaluate, report, and explain the science behind climate change. The debate about it has become increasingly ideological and partisan, but climate change is not the product of belief system or ideology. Instead, it's based on scientific fact, and no amount of argument, coercion, or debate among talking heads in the media can alter the physics of climate change. Well, if they read that letter, which you've kindly printed in its entirety, um, they should have a little cognitive dissonance. Where's the accountability? So let's hold them to it. Let's uh, let's keep making a lot of noise, Joe. Uh, you on the blog, uh, me and my little internet radio program, and lots of uh, you know great green websites online. But still, again, there's a there's a void. There's a giant vacuum in terms of network radio and television not covering this, you know, on a on a daily basis let alone not even a weekly basis for that matter. Um, I've been talking about an environmental news show where the, the developments of the day are covered. So I'm going to just keep um, being a broken record till that happens, and hopefully uh, when they do finally realize we need one, uh, I'll still be around, and you'll still be around. Hopefully it won't take a few more decades, but just a, a short time. So uh, as we wrap up our half hour, Joe, what else is on your mind? Uh, the disappointing State of the Union uh, omission. Um, do you think, um, I mean, we, we know Obama gets it on some level, but again, with the departure of Carol Browner and with other, you know, things on his uh, agenda, it just feels like we're not going to get to legislation. Can we expect much? Can, can we do enough in the next two years? Can, can, can government do enough 
that nature will notice, or is it pretty much just a loss for the next couple of years, let's hope, for the next president, the next Congress to address it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, we're going to have to, you know, people who care about the health of their children are, are going to have to stand up and speak out to preserve, you know, uh, the safeguards that the Environmental Protection Agency has put in place. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I remain very optimistic that if we, when we do get serious, we have the clean energy solutions available. You know, I worked for five years at the Department of Energy, and I try to blog uh, as much as possible on the solutions. It's very clear that the, you know, we're, 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 the batteries are getting better. We're going to see a lot of, you know, plug-in hybrid electric cars are, are being introduced to the market. Solar and wind power are coming down in cost. Um, so, uh, you know, that is the good news story. The the unfortunate thing is that, you know, a lot of the advances are being made in China because, you know, the the conservatives won't allow us to spend the kind of money that other countries do to to maintain leadership in, in clean energy technologies. And whenever um, that happens, whenever you notice that, I can't help but you know, whenever the, that point is made, where is the um, you know American uh, patriotism in terms of ingenuity and innovation and leadership? Why do they suddenly go silent in their applause when we're talking about becoming leaders in clean technology and not being left in the dark? I mean, there's some applause during the State of the Union I'm talking about in particular, but you know, it's almost like. Um, Many Republicans who don't want us to do much on climate change, not just Republicans, but it, face it, it seems to be most, mostly Republicans, uh, who would thwart progress, you know, are otherwise all for, you know, American leadership and investment and scientific strength, which, of course, we're lacking, you know, in terms of what's going on in our school system. They suddenly, you know, when it comes to clean technology, green investments, um, lose their enthusiasm. What, is that just totally ideology? Yeah, it really dates back, I think, to, well, there's two pieces. It dates back to Ronald Reagan's slashing of uh, the clean energy budgets, the removing the solar panels from the White House, ending the tax breaks for solar and wind. Um, so it has that component. And the other component, of course, is that, you know, the big contributors to the conservative movement, the, the Republican Party, are is big oil. And uh, they don't like the competition. Again. They, they want their tax breaks, staggering amount of tax breaks for big oil, so what, even though the price of oil is over $90 a barrel. Um, um, even, even President Bush himself said when oil goes above $55 a barrel, there's plenty of incentive to drill for oil. But we keep subsidizing it because they have political clout. Okay, let's get, I'm glad you mentioned that because President Obama did, you know, draw cheers from those of us concerned about the future of the planet and disgusted by the obscene uh, profits that the oil companies boast um, that, you know, some of that money um, should, they're not going to continue those tax breaks. But do you think that's um, going to really make it, do anything more than make a dent in the tax benefits that they enjoy? I mean, how much did we, he didn't, he didn't get specific. Well, that would assume how much that you could, you could be poured into renewable energy. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he can pass that. I don't think he can, uh, he can remove it, those tax breaks. I don't think the House of Representatives will will allow it to happen. So it sounds um, good. It drew a lot of applause. It's it's pretty popular right now, even maybe among you know some Republican Americans uh, who otherwise are concerned about you know just uh, the, the 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 growing divide between the haves and the have-nots, and and again the obscene profits on the part of the fossil fuel industry. Uh, so you're saying it, it was a popular thing to say, but it, it may not, in, in effect, mean much, do much. Well, look, I mean, the the, the Republicans have said uh, the House uh, uh, Study Committee, uh, Republican Study Committee, has 
instead they want to they want to cut clean energy funding. They actually want to, uh, you know, whereas Obama would like to increase, they want to decrease funding. So, you know, it is going to be a struggle just to keep clean energy funding at current levels. And and um, you know, whenever uh, you propose, of course, cutting uh, uh, subsidies for uh, the the oil industry, those subsidies, we're told, they create jobs. So you can't you can't cut uh, those. So it's it's as you say, there's a, there's a double standard there. Um, this is going to be a tough a tough two years for progressives, no question about it. I, I think the only saving grace is that the you know conservative movement is you know being the the dog. The tail is wagging the dog. The extremist Tea Party movement is 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 sort of running uh, the conservative movement, which is running the Republican Party. And and you know I, I expect that they're going to overshoot and go go too far. That's what Newt Gingrich did. Uh, and you know this effort to to stop the EPA from preserving clean air and clean water. The American public support environmental protections, uh, and uh, that is something that one can rally around. And Jeff Bingaman, I understand, has some meetings today with the Obama administration. You mentioned um, that? Yeah, the, the, uh, in the State of the Union address, the president proposed that by 2035 there would be this, quote-unquote, clean energy standard, uh, although clean energy would include natural gas and nuclear power and coal with carbon capture and storage, which doesn't even exist yet. Um, and so he's meeting with Jeff Bingaman, who's the head of the Senate Energy Committee, to see if uh, there is interest in such a bill. I, you know, if the bill were well designed, it would it wouldn't be a bad idea. I just am kind of skeptical that you can get such a bill through this Congress at this point in time. Um, but if you can't put a price on carbon uh, and you can't spend more money on clean energy, then the only other thing you can do is create a, a standard that, that utilities have to meet uh, in terms of levels of, of, of low-carbon energy. Um, so that may be something that, that ultimately becomes law. I don't, I don't, I'm a bit skeptical it will be soon, but eventually it might. Okay, Joe, I'm afraid we're out of time. Uh, enjoy your um, blip of a uh, bit of warm weather amidst the disaster surrounding you, and uh, let's hope that uh, pretty soon um, sanity starts to prevail. Uh, this is just uh, going on a little bit too long for my taste. I'm sure you feel the same. But in the meantime, for all our listeners, check out climateprogress.org. It is the first and last word on what is going on on a daily basis on the climate, and Joe even posts on the weekend. So he's a hard worker. He is an expert from way back. Uh, he's been there in the White House. He knows from what you speak. He's got a couple of fabulous books I forgot to mention, Come Hell and High Water, and the other one, Joe? Uh, straight Up. Straight Up, that's right. I need to get a copy of that. I haven't seen that one yet. That's why I keep forgetting about it. And Send it's right up my email. alley. See what I can do. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a slightly lighter turn. We're going to be speaking with a pioneer in the raw foods movement. Her name is Lydia Kindheart. She hails from uh, the very progressive Bay Area right here in my own backyard, Marin County. Since I am a new... Um, well, leaning into raw food, as, as they say, uh, new aficionado or at least fan or at least um, being transformed daily by what I'm eating and what I'm not eating. I want to talk about my experiences since I went to the Optimum Health Institute a couple weeks back and what I'm experiencing. And Lydia 
uh, is one who has been in the forefront, again, of not only um, believing it, but uh, walking the talk and, and cooking or prepping raw food. We don't say cooking raw food uh, for her thousands of um, devoted fans, not only here, but at uh, green gatherings across the country. Lydia will be w- joining us on the green front right after this.